Welcome to the Taco Brothers Podcast. We're two brothers from another mother come together to talk about what's going on in urban pop culture, sports, music, health, and real issues that face our community. All straight with no chaser and a splash of comedy. Are y'all ready to get this started? Here's your host, Go D and Smash. What's happening, everybody? It's your boy, Go D. And it's your boy, Smash, coming at you. We want to welcome you all to the second episode of the Talker Brothers Podcast. How was your week, man? It was a long, long week, man. I tell you, I don't know what was going on this week, but it seemed like a long, long work week for everybody. Just couldn't get to the end, huh? Nah, I didn't think I was going to see uh, today, actually. But now that today's coming... <laughs> getting ready to look for uh, starting a, a new week off, you know? Yeah, you know, when we record, you know, that's the end of a, a good weekend, going into another work week. Got a, a real good show that uh, some topics that we really wanted to hit. Uh, we wanted to talk about The Shire. For those that hadn't seen it yet, it tells a story that takes different twists of events within the Southside community that will definitely shock you how these characters connect within the show in a way that only an urban community can portray it. Smash, so tell me what you uh, liked about the show. I like the show overall. It depicts the environment for every hood around America. So I really did like the show, man. Um, what about yourself? Um, I was in, interested in the show from the, from its beginning um, because of Lena Waite. Uh, you know, she was like the first the first black woman to ever win an Emmy for, for comedy writing um, on the show Master of None. So that had me drawn in from the beginning to see her go from a comedic side to a, a more of a, a, a drama type show and see uh, how she actually tells the story. The thing about it is, you know, she's from Chicago, so she can give a really good perspective of what's going on and, and topping that off with Common being an executive producer. So you really knew that you would get a good feeling of the city and the soul of the environment that the story is being told in. Plus, the show was shot totally in Chicago, so I was excited to, to really get down and, and watch the 10 episodes. You know, for me, I like the binge watch, so I didn't really watch it until um, the season was finished, so I can just watch it from beginning to end. And I'm pretty much the same way. I like to come in when the shows are pretty much done. I think I came in when the show was about Four episodes in so I was able to just watch those four episodes back to back to back and then I had to wait each week for the new episodes but I did like how it showed Chicago because I've never been to Chicago I've heard a lot of things about Chicago and it, it basically how my imagination was about Chicago the show kind of really helped portray it a little bit more what I saw on the show is what I really thought it was and I saw that but you saw just really ordinary people doing just things they had to do to survive yeah, and it, it really put a, a pull the curtain back on on who we are as a people. Um, for those that don't understand what we go through in the everyday struggles of you know being uh, black in America, the violence and uh, the dehumanization factor out of it, and, and showed that we are, you know we are human. You know we do have family values, we do have hopes and joys, and uh, different aspects of, of trying to fight through our struggles to get to a positive situation. We'll give you a chance to understand what we're going through and what they're going through in Chicago. It kind of depicts what happens across America, not just in Chicago, but it was just um, based in Chicago. Right. And I, I like what you were talking about with the family values and I, I go into that with the, uh, the character named Emmett. You know, he was the one that's selling the shoes for the most part. He was, a, he was yeah. your uh, shoe connect. 
the plug. The and plug. So, um, <laughs> what I like about his uh, character was showing how he was really just a young teenager, just doing what young teenagers do. But you know, he messed around and had a couple girls pregnant. But then he saw how important it was to take care of his son. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of times these kids have kids so young that, you know what I'm saying? It's just the young leading the young, you know, with that kind of go off that moniker of the blind leading the blind. So I liked his character because I could see him evolve and struggle throughout his life. And it kind of helped you, what well, helped me realize how sometimes when I was growing up, how I struggled, even though I didn't have kids at a young age. I like the fact that the story had so many plots and twists and different surprises in it. Um, the character, you know, with Kevin and Pops and uh, Jake and the different aspects of how their characters interact with each other uh, really hit home for, you know, what we were as kids growing up, the things that we had to face and, and conquer. Uh, my, my, my favorite character, by the way, is Papa. He is, is by far <laughs> <laughs> one of the, the joys and, and the things that you, you, you miss um, if you're not looking within the community, uh, somebody that's a little heavy set kid, um, but he's just so secure in who he is and what he is and, sh and shows how smart he is and how funny he is and how he can, uh, he seems to, to be the, the connecting factor between Jake being pulled towards uh, the criminal element and and Kevin just trying to find his way of who he is and and trying to find out uh, exploring the, the aspects of trying to get a girlfriend and and his his feelings towards towards girls those different things is uh, again those different plot twists and different uh, aspects of the show really draws you in and really you pull you in and, and had you uh, want to see more and want to get more from the show. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I, I um, when we were talking about earlier about binge watching, I think that's the thing I kind of get disappointed by. I mean, I know shows average like ten to twelve shows, and I guess because I binge watch like you, I want more. And I, I'm just like, even though the season just ended, I'm 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 ready for season two already. You know what I mean? Yeah, I am too. I mean, I, I think I I just want to see how it ended um, with Ronnie turning himself in. Um, really coming to grips of, of what he did. Um, not a really a criminal, but did something for um, for his son. We hope, I, I'm thinking that's his son, but uh, where he can come to grips with it and, and me not, you know, getting in touch with his religious side and, and um, meeting someone who can comment, who paid Rafiq. Um, meeting him and, and having him understand that, hey, man, you're not in this alone. I've been through that. I've walked the path that you walked. And until you come to uh, grips with it, um, you can't get into a better place. You can't move on from it. So it definitely has different things, you know, like with uh, Jason Mitchell character, Brandon, where he's um, dealing with uh, Coogee's death, who, which, which initially starts the story, starts off um, the, the shy. Um, him dealing with the fact that um, he's inspiring to be an entrepreneur, um, he wants better things, um, his relationship with his girl helped him along the path, which most, which was definitely a good point for me because a lot of things 
as they say women mature faster than men that definitely was depicted in this show because he's still finding himself where she's in her career she's doing what she want to do as a, a, a real estate agent and and just trying to help him get on the path and seeing that the different aspects of infidelity and um just them coming to grips and throughout the end of the show you're just rooting for them to get back together and they did yeah. and it's just i can't wait to see how it plays out in season two on on how they grow as a couple and how he grows and takes Coogie's death as a, a springboard to to honoring him and doing uh greater things with his uh food truck yeah I, brandon actually was uh my favorite character i, I did like uh papa too but uh, brandon was my um favorite character because i kind of could see myself or maybe the everyday um do growing up in the hood in in Brandon because Brandon wanted to do good was doing good but he kept getting hit with um you know everyday life struggles and so it caused him to pull in different directions at different times but through it all like he maintained to get back on his feet get his uh food truck after losing his job uh get back with his girl like you said and the thing that kind of shocked me most um toward the end of the last show for this season it looks like um, the old boy Trice, not Trice, um, Red is gonna have him selling some uh, dope for him in, in his mobile uh, van there, you know, in his food truck. So that's, it's like every time he get ahead, he take a step or two back, you know? Yeah, and that's, and I forgot about that. Yeah, that's definitely gonna be an intriguing factor. Again, the the, the aspect of how this, this show is turning and twisting and pulling you in all these different directions is really exciting. And it's refreshing to get this type of show that's gonna keep you on the edge of your seat at all times and um, make you wish and, and hoping for more. Uh, I mean, there's so many characters within the show. Um, the aspect of here you got the corrupt police officer versus uh, Detective Cruz that's um, really trying to do the right thing, that really understand that Coogie was not involved in this. And, and deep down in his heart, he felt that when he couldn't stop until the truth was, uh, was told. It was really intriguing how throughout the episodes, they kept you on the edge of your seat of, well, how did he die? Right. How did you know? Saying how did he? How did he die? But at the end, they they go ahead and and uh, let you understand how it played out. And for me, throughout the whole episodes, I'm I'm like, man, that detective, he's got to be dirty. He's got to be dirty. He's got to be involved. And lo and behold, he was. Right. <laughs> now nah, it was a, it was a great show, man. And I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to see um, the second season. And what they do with that, because um, it looks like, like you said, like the detective that was the good detective in the show, it looks like he's going to be involved even more investigating the death of the bad detective. So, I mean, the way um, the writing was done was phenomenal. Um, I think that the uh, actor that plays Brandon, uh, Jason Mitchell, I think he's going to be the next rising star in the movie scenes. I mean, he was he was in um, if people don't know, you know, he played Easy E in Straight Outta Compton. And he also is in a, a show on Netflix that I haven't seen. But when I be flicking through it, I thought about seeing uh, Mudbound. So Mudbound. Yeah, I hadn't watched that yet. Yeah, it's, it's on. It's in my queue to watch, but I just haven't watched it yet. So. Because he's in it, I am looking forward to watching it. Now, 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 let's not sleep on uh, Jaquin Gallery. Now that he's one of the up and coming, he had a short-lived um, life in in 
in the shine but he has i mean he that was another factor that drew me to the show to see him grow um watching him in kicks and uh, me and my my kids sat down and we started watching on my block uh, so and he's he's doing he's a phenomenal character in that show as well. Um, so let's not sleep on him as well. Shouts out to to Jakeen Guillory. Uh, I'm just excited to see uh, where he where he goes from here and how his career has been taking off uh, so far and what he's gonna do in the future. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I, th I think that was the unique thing about the show and me is watching movies and shows. I like to see. Uh, actors that are not your common actors and actresses on shows. I like, I like to see the new people coming up, coming up, or people that have had little roles before, like you were saying in, in the movie Kicks. Um, so I like to see them come along because it's like it's it's fresh, it's something fresh, something new. You get to see somebody else, not the same person playing the same role. You know, uh, no no offense to my boy Mars Chestnut, but you know he always playing the pretty successful black man, which is all that's good. <laughs> But I need to see some range, you know what I mean, and that's why I like to see these yeah. new people. And 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 that's what that's what's exciting about it because there's nothing wrong with showing um, the successful side of um, the black community. You always see them in their success. Right. Um, shows like The Shy gave you a chance to to see the struggle. To see how what you what we have to go through as uh, blacks in America to be able to get to that successful point, so it's it's refreshing to see these type of shows um, being played out on screen, and it gives a chance for everybody to understand what what it takes as a black man or woman in America to be able to get to that successful point. That's a good point, bro. Look at you getting deep on me, man. This show, I was I was excited, man. I had been thinking about this and how I'm gonna attack this and, and how I wanted to talk about it because I'm really excited about it. I'm I'm really excited for uh Lena Wade, how diverse she is and, and a writer to be able to not only think about it, but be able to articulate it to to the masses to bring them into like they are actually in the show and, uh, and give them a chance to understand what we're trying to accomplish as, as a black community. Nah, that's, that is true. I didn't know that she was writing from, coming from a comedic aspect and then to a serious drama. So I will be like, you you school me, so I will be paying more attention to her and the things that she do and support her, you know, and her um, yeah, features. Yeah. If you hadn't watched it, check out The Master of None. See, she's pretty dope in that as well. Picking up on another topic, this has been a topic on hand for me for a while. You know, even before we started the show, we've always been going back and forth on this, this one and done issue. And it's finally becoming to the forefront to where now um, people are really being are taking it serious. Give me your takes and, and, and what your ideas on this one and done issue. I think I think the one and done should be removed. Um, I know it's a a rule that the NBA has. Um, you know, a player has to be one year removed from high school before they can enter the NBA. But I, I think it should be um, I, I think it should be taken out of that because I think these players need a, just a little bit more time to develop. I mean. You know, from the football standpoint, that there's a reason, uh, uh, physical stature, on why they can't enter the NFL until two years um, after being removed from high school, and 
I understand that uh, aspect. But for basketball, you you have some exceptional players, uh, like back in the day when you had Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, just to name a few that could go right from high school into pl- into the NBA and play. But nowadays, I think a lot of these players need just a little bit more development before they come in. And plus, it'll be good for, you know, the college basketball aspect. And, you know, I just think that that's right now. I think that's where they need to go. But that's just my opinion. How, how do you see it, though? Um, it, it just for me, it just makes no sense how we are going around and around in circle about this when you have Major League Baseball that already has the blueprint already laid out and it's, it's actually working. Um, I was reading an article from Emmett from the NCA and he's saying that this is something that we need to sit down with and, and go over and try to develop a plan. Hello. Major League Baseball and NCAA Baseball, it seems to work. So I don't understand why um, it's such a big to-do for why it should be one and done in basketball. Like you said, football, that's a whole different aspect. They definitely need to be developed. But in this basketball situation, you have the G League in place um, as your minor league system. Let the, Go ahead and let these NBA teams each um, purchase another uh, another team, make sure that there's 30, 30 teams across the board so that, that there is a place for everybody to play. Um, you know, and I, it made me go back and look at the how Major League Baseball rules apply to either you go to college or you go into the pros. Right. Um, they give them good signing bonuses and, and um, their salaries aren't big, but they do get huge signing bonuses, which is a plus for a kid that either one that makes that decision where I want to go to college or whether I want to go pro. But in basketball, man, it's just it's just a no-brainer. You know, let these kids go out if they don't want to go to college because everybody's not meant for college. So let's not force them into that. And a lot of times people are given the argument of um, it's going to water down basketball. I I don't even I don't buy that because we're looking at the NCAAs right now and all of Chicago is proving that even though you're not the most well-named players, you're not a five-star athlete, but you're seeing a good brand of basketball, I think the NCAA will be all right on that fact. But, I mean, you look at cats like uh, Darius Baisley, if I'm pronouncing that right, a 2018 All-American from Cincinnati, who's jumping from high school and he's going right into the G League um, because he's saying it's just a, a natural parallel for him that instead of him going overseas, let me just go into the G League and develop in an American uh, type of basketball versus a European type so that he can make that transition. This is like he's only the second person to ever do it. Um, the first person was Latavius Williams. He came out in 2009 and went to the G League and got drafted by the Miami Heat but never played. But it's just a natural progression that it's just a no for me. It's just a no brainer. You know, what I mean, if, if for me, if I if I was in the power that be, I would want to say, hey, if you want to go to the pros, go to the G League, work your way up. If you don't want to uh, do that, then you have to spend at least three years in college like like Major League Baseball. He's getting a competitive edge. He's developing as a player, but he's also on path to, to getting an education. I just don't understand why this is such a big to-do when it's just so obvious on how to make this happen for Byron athletes that want to jump straight from high school to the NBA. Well, what's, what's the whole point of the NBA G League anyway? It's just a developmental league, man. It's just a, a league that's there for players that are inspiring, that went through the normal system of going to high school, going to college. So I don't understand why it's it's such a big issue on 
not expanding and expounding on it to, to make it where it's a, a true minor league for the NBA. Yeah, and that's, and that was that's my point because that's what I thought it was there for to develop players, and I was like, well, they have a system in place. It's just that they're not using it, and it seems like a lot of people think that these uh, NCAA rules are laws, but they're not. They're just rules. Like these guys are going to college for one year. They're not trying to go to school. I mean, you will have some tell you, like, I'm here to play ball. I'm not here to go to school. And and that's why you have all these, um, like, the situation we're dealing with now, the scandals in college basketball, because those kids are just there for a year. Exactly. They don't want to go to school. They're going back to football now. If you say college football, you could argue a case that they are student-athletes. But for college basketball, they are not student-athletes. They are athletes. They're just there to play ball to showcase what they have for the NBA. And I just don't understand why the NBA hasn't stepped in and said, hey, if you think you're good enough, come to the G League and try out and we'll develop you. You might have to stay two years in the G League before you get pulled up to a team if anybody's interested. But at least you know you're already getting the chance to do what you want to do and not waste everybody's time by going to school. Yeah, Adam Silver saying that he wants to have something in place before the 2024 Players Association collective bargaining comes up again. So I I, I know it's going to happen. It's, it's something that's in the works, and then we'll see it. But it's just, to me, it just, it just baffles me that they just can't just call the MLB and say, hey, sit down with us and help us institute your motto into the NBA and let these kids play, man. If they want to play basketball, just like anything, a lot of kids don't go to college and they have to find their way. If they want education, there's ways of, of, of getting educated if you really want to be educated. I mean, you think about guys like Brandon Jennings, Emmanuel Moutier, Terrence Ferguson all went overseas and played and they all were first round draft picks. Those type of players they showing that the system work. Heck, they do it in Europe all the time. You know, these kids, right. they isolate it. They identify and isolate the kids that they see have basketball potential, and they put them in uh, systems to where they start developing themselves as basketball players. You know, same thing. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just anything like the sciences or mathematician or anything. You have to cultivate the talent. And if that's their talent and that's what they want to accomplish and want to pursue, then let's all give them an avenue to pursue it and stop trying to make this such a difficult thing. You know, for me, and I kind of, and I try to try to stay away from the the black white issue on it. But for you know, NBA is a predominantly black sport, yeah. whereas MLB is a predominantly white sport. So, and the parallel seems to me is like, okay, we we don't want to just throw it out there so they can be successful, but over here, it's proven fact that it is successful. So, make it an even playing field and give everybody a chance to to develop and and pursue their dreams. Yeah, and that's and. That's why I'm kind of curious of um, what the uh, LeVar Ball is going to do, how his boys are going to come out, because they are going overseas. They're getting developed. I mean, they pretty much are dominating when they were here in high school and all that stuff. So I think being over overseas does give you a better as aspect on how to play basketball, because basically overseas, you're about the fundamentals. When you come to the NBA, it, you still have the fundamentals, but you're using more of a dominant presence over there. You know, you develop and you learn the game. So I'm curious to see if he went the right way and if people are going to look at that or is the NBA going to look at that based off of how they perform and say, like, you know, we really need to pump this G League up before, I think you said, 2024. 
I mean, 2024 to me is a long way off, but it's not that long. So I think they, I mean, this is something that they can implement pretty easy because it's already there. Adam Silver, uh, he said he wants he wants to get it done before 2024. Oh, okay. Which which totally makes sense. I mean, the ball situation. I mean, you look at him and, and you you see that he's in control of his kids. If, if I can't get it done systematically in the in the American system, I'm going to buck the system and take it into my own hands and take his kids overseas and and develop. Uh, so they could be NBA players. His middle son, Leangelo, you know, he's getting ready to go into the draft now. So we'll see how that path is is, is going to work out for him. And you know, like anything, there's a success and failure rate in everything. I mean, for me, the one and done rule just makes no sense. It just it needs to be done uh, done away with it. Again, take that MLB model and just apply it to basketball. And trust me, the fans will love it. They'll uh, it gives another chance for other cities to embrace these players and um, have a team they can call their own. Um, it's a good thing for me. It's a good thing all the way around. No, I agree with you. I, I think, like you said, the M MLB model needs to be followed because they they it's a proven you know track record. So I think the NBA does need to you know relook at it and maybe restructure. And um, like you said, it just makes no sense. I mean, I guess in the world these days we, we stop using common sense because this makes no sense at all you know yeah and this it's basketball i mean who i mean who can't get enough of basketball <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's not gonna water down the sport it's just gonna help the sport trust me now let's jump tracks a little bit and and a story that that me and you talked about and we're like wow this is amazing it's a little girl naomi wadler from Alexandria, Virginia, fifth grader, gave an awesome speech at the, the March of Lives rally yes, in, in D.C. And a lot of people, I mean, the Internet exploded. I mean, they were just excited about the little girl and the speech that she gave. To just sit down and go back and look into her backstory inspired me. And I just had to tell a story and let everybody know my thoughts and my opinions on what I thought of this, this little girl. Go ahead. What's your story, man? Just to see that she took the initiative to start the rally in uh, honor of the Parkland shootings and get the walkout together. We're talking about a fifth grader. Big shots to her parents for instilling um, that leadership quality and teaching her uh, the value of stand up for what you believe in. Back to the story, she, the, the the March of Lies rally in D.C. took notice of it and asked her to come out and, and give a speech on it, um, especially for, for what she was standing for. You know what I'm saying? She just wants to understand that the lives of black women and girls are lost to this gun violence. It's, it's never, a uh, story has never really been given you see more of the 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 male, the black male, right. um, being advertised and and sensationalized to the point where these black women are subject to the same violence as men, and we should be shedding light on that. Lil Naomi has inspired me to publicizing this topic. Oh yeah, like because um, you, as you know, I got two daughters, uh, 18 and 11 years old, and to see this 11 year old girl get up there and and do this speech because. I, I knew nothing of her until, like you said, the internet exploded, timelines getting flooded with this, uh, news lines are getting flooded with her name and stuff. And so I checked her out. And, you know, I knew about the uh, high schoolers across America were going to walk out in protest on this day. Right. But I didn't know that they it had reached down to the elementary school. But when I saw her give her speech, in front of millions or thousands of people and then millions of people on, you know, TV screen, 
I was just like, wow, because she was so poised. I mean, you could see yeah. some nervousness, but it, it wasn't like reflected. You could just, you know, when you speak in front of a crowd, most people are nervous. So it was just like, wow, man, this little girl really got up here and really had something to say. And I even like when she put in her speech, she was like, I know a lot of people think uh, like an adult wrote this for me, but they didn't. And I was like, wow, like, you know, like she's really, you know, uh, something to look up to. Like, I'm gonna have my little 11 year old daughter watch it because this is stuff that I preach to them all the time. Like, put your iPad down exactly, and use, you know, use your imagination, use what you wanna be, be yourself and go out there and speak your truth. And this girl, I mean, she did it. And like you said, um, touching on it from the aspect of not looking at the violence for uh, our young women, I never even like really looked at it. I know it happens. I mean, we know it happens. That's why we are in this Me Too era, you know, um, normally it's, it happens on the sexual forefront and we don't even think about the uh, domestic violence until it actually happens. So her bringing that out is just like, I don't know, for an 11 year old to motivate a 40 year old person like myself, I think that was outstanding. So I'm looking to see this girl do great things uh, in the future coming for her. Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited for the fact that we're, it's, it's, we're bringing light to it. You know what I'm saying? It, it's we're, we're exposing those who really don't really understand it. Like it brought up, it, like you said, you didn't even know about Naomi Wadler, but because it exploded the way it did, it was successful. You know what I mean? You had to stop and take notice, and and now it gives you an uh, idea to to give it to your back to your girls and let inspire them to say, hey, look, right, you can do anything that you want to do if you just put a little bit of effort into it and uh, work at it. And and trust me, there's thousands or thousands of people out here that uh, that really want to see. Uh, this young young lady do a lot of things. I mean, there even there was I was reading some some tweets that it was like we wanted her to be president. Yeah. You know, you look at it and you you don't laugh at it, but it kind of puts you in a place like you know, yeah, that's one person, that's a young lady that I think can um, really propel herself into that position because I mean, you think about our history, the older generation, my grandmother's generation, are perishing off, and you see her friend. Right white little boy yeah. they came together to do this walkout for their school so it kind of tells me that it's getting better but we still have to keep continuously putting that light on on the situation and, and not let people be numb to the violence and another black died um to senseless violence there's a story behind it and she's she wants to put the light on that story and again to her mother is is phenomenal to be able to to have such a young lady that spoke so eloquent at that rally to the point where she says that she doesn't have social media she doesn't really know how impactful her speech is she knows because they interviewed and stuff like that but the real really magnitude of, of what's going on you know right and i and the, the thing that i really liked about it is after i watched the speech a couple of times and you know really sat back and thought about it after being wild the first time i was like man this is this is how it's supposed to work because you know what i'm saying like in order to make a change, you have to instill it in the young people. So she's coming up exactly. like this, and she's going to have uh, influence others of her age because she's already influenced uh, the older generation. You know, um, so it's going to, I think it'll take an effect because that's 
that's what I think a lot of times we miss. Like, you know, we know there needs to be a change and we're trying to change ourselves as well as people who are of a certain age, which are probably stubborn because they're setting their ways that we never right. really look at. Like, let's start with the younger people as well. So with her being that activist for the younger people, being the voice of the uh, younger people, I think that, man, I, I got excited because I was like, I saw a, a bright light for the future of the uh, kids that are coming up nowadays. Oh, yeah, I, I'm excited about it as well. I mean, I, it had me sit down with my boys and, and really talk about it. And it, it's always that conversation, which was great, because it's always that conversation of, Daddy, why this young lady died? Daddy, why why do the police and, and civilians can't get along? It really was good to sit down and and have this, this, this talk with them to have them understand that, hey, people are trying to make changes and, and and it's just that which i always have to explain to them on on a, such a on a, a level where they can understand that people just don't get along and when people just don't get along they tend to uh resort to violence but this shows you that hey you don't have to resort to violence for you to understand and solve the issue you know it, that's that's what right. that speech did for me. After all the violence happened and everything that went on, here's a young lady that stepped to the front and said, okay, folks, let me give you my opinion. And, and it resonated not only with the younger generation, but it resonated across the world to adults as well. And I, that's phenomenal to see how um, such a positive uh, situation, such a positive speech has America, how we can help young ladies and put light on, on the, uh, the issue of violence and, and moving forward. Forward. Yeah, man. I, like you said, I'm, I'm just excited. I, like when you come to the table, I mean, and talk, a lot of things get aired out because that's it's all uh, exactly. lost in translation a lot of times. You think one way and I'm thinking another and now we mad at each other. But when we come to that table and talk, we like, oh, man, I didn't even think about that. And then it's all good. It reminds me of the old saying, uh, <laughs> you know, from the movie, um, you know, we can uh, talk like some gentlemen or we can get into some gangster stuff you know but it basically is the point that as gentlemen if we come to this table and talk we can come to a resolution where it benefits both of us you know and so that's that's what I like about her story man like her story is inspiring and I, I would love to see more Naomi Wattlers out there and just keep uh, moving on she's a young black sister you know and not uh, shining the fact on her being black, but just the young part is the highlight, and she just was elegant and poised in her speech, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, again, we coming to the end of our show. Uh, hit it right on the head of what we wanted to, to talk about. Um, give me some closing thoughts. Um, today, I really don't have any closing thoughts, but I just want to wish everybody a happy Easter, man. You know, go out there and celebrate the resurrection. And definitely. just happy Easter to all, you know. Yep, definitely. And this is, like I said, this is our episode two. We'll be um, posting episodes every Tuesday. So, guys, look out for that. Um, also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, visit the webpage. Um, however you consume your your information, um, I think we have it covered. Also, we want you guys to drop us an email, drop us a comment. Um, if you want us to talk about it, just like this, these, these topics that we're touching on now, reach out to us and we'll definitely uh, draw some light to it and, and get some um, perspective on it. So with that being said, much love to everybody. Most definitely, most definitely. And y'all stay, stay happy, people. Keep the positivity going. Peace, and we out. Well, all right.
Star Child, citizens of the universe, recording angels. We have returned to claim the pyramid. Partying on the mothership, I am the mothership connection. Get down in 3D, light year groove. Over here. 